Hallelujah. You have your Bibles. We'll go to Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 12. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you can come to church and have a party? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know some of y'all looked at me and said, Three Stooges, that's old stuff. Well, I'll tell you another one. Dumb and Dumber. That's a classic. That's there, there. You can't go wrong with that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody shout out restoration. restoration. Hallelujah. We've been ministering about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to show you something here. The Lord just gave me a few things before we get into a little part here. I won't keep you real long. You'll see. we got something special. But Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. I want you to read this and see this. Verse 25, it says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word, somebody shout out a good word. But a good word makes it glad. The Living Bible says, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word. Somebody say an encouraging word. Cheers a person up. Amen. Isn't that good? And what I want to share with you today is I was sharing last week, I was sharing about, you know, the atmosphere and that the fruit of the Spirit, we, we think many times that, you know, it's true that the Israelites, their message what God was telling them was not mixed with faith. Therefore, they didn't receive what God promised them and they weren't progressing. But I was sharing with you last week the importance I see of the fruit of the Spirit in, in being involved in our lives and a part of our lives and growing so that we were able to receive the Word of God. And, and, and one of the examples I gave was about, you know, it's called the engrafted Word or that when we walk in the fruit of the Spirit, our spirits become uh, fertile and then when the word of the Lord comes, then we get impregnated. And I gave you some scriptures on that. And, you know, one of the things I want to share with you is the importance of our hearts and our minds and our lives in the atmosphere that we have around ourselves as we're receiving the word of God. And one of the things the Lord just walked me through and reminded me of is, you know, we've known a number, maybe even known some people who've wanted children real bad. And, you know, they did everything. They had the thermometers. I mean, we know people, honey, get home right now, right now. This shows that it's, it's time right now. Or they've done the different other things because they wanted to take advantage of when the time was right. But they took all time and time again. They went on for years and they never were able to have children. Why? Because they might have been doing all the right things, but they were tense. And they were trying so hard that the woman could not relax so that what needed to be done could be done. And how many of you ever known people that when the couple who couldn't have children went and adopted, after they adopted, and usually it's twins. How many of you know, I've known a bunch. They go and adopt twins or they adopt a child. And it's funny that after they adopt, just a few months later, they come, they go, Pastor, we're expecting. And we've known people that come after they adopted twins, come and say, and the doctor says, I'm pregnant with twins. Huh, have you heard that? We've met some people here in Louisiana that, you know, once they got the child, the, they had those babies, they relaxed and they conceived. Well, let me share something. I've heard this all of my life. And there's a lot of people who say, you know, I don't have to pay attention. My children don't have to pay attention to the word of God. They can sit in the back and text. Or people can talk on the cell phone. Or people can talk. Or, or I can daydream about what I want to do the rest of the day. 
But my spirit is still hearing. You've ever heard people tell you that? Even though you're not paying attention, just put the tape on or just go to church, your spirit's listening even though you don't. But how many of you know the Word says time again, He that has ears, let them hear. And we, I have heard people tell me, well, don't worry about it if they're not paying attention. Even if they're sleeping in church, their spirit's still hearing. Huh, by their fruit, I don't think so. <laughs> by their fruit, I don't think so. If you're sleeping in church, you ain't hearing, you're snoring. So I believe that the, you have to be in the right atmosphere to conceive the Word of God. And therefore, it means you have to be at peace. Amen? How many of you know that when a, a husband and wife uh, wants to spend some time together, they put the lights low, they put candles on. They, I hope you don't put the news on. <laughs> and you want your wife to conceive hearing the newsman go, well, another lady was shot behind the head today and left three children behind as orphans. And you know, you're wanting to have intimate time and, and you're hearing this news. I mean, your kid's going to grow up to be a sniper. You've got to have the right atmosphere to receive the engrafted Word of God. Now, this may be a little crazy. You all may say, what is he up to? But without getting even deeper in trouble, I'm trying to show you that a lot of times the way we hear the Word, how we hear it, and what we hear has a lot to do with the type of fruit we produce. We think just going to church and halfway paying attention is going to change our life. No, he says you've got to go deep. You've got to deeply seek Him. You have to deeply go after Him. Because, you know, we want to bear fruit. And now, if you go to the market, you'd buy this apple. But, you know, I want to show you an example here of the work that needs to be done because we think, oh, everything's just perfect, everything's just right. But, you know, when we're born as a baby, you know, maybe by the time we're four or five years old, our perfect pet dies. Or we find it drastically killed on the road or something. And there's a bruise. And then we turn six or seven and one day our dad's just in a bad mood. And dad tells us, I just don't even know why you're around. You're not good for anything. And another bruise. And then the daughter, she's all excited about going to school. She turns a teenager. Instead of her dad saying how pretty she is, he says, I bet you'll be pregnant before you're 16. And there's another bruise. And then you feel rejected and you go around saying, how is my life going to ever change? And someone says, well, the way it looks, it'll never change. Another bruise. You fall in love and you think it's the man that you'll better love forever. Then all of a sudden he tells you, I don't love you anymore and I don't want a divorce. Another bruise. And you start going through these things with jobs and rejection and hurt and one relationship and another and another bruise. Another bruise. Another bruise. I hear this thing getting ready to explode, so I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> but here you are. You want to be a fruitful tree. And let's, say, let's say that, for example, this is the tree. and Here's my fruit. It just keeps, keeps getting bruised and bruised and bruised and abused. And I'm not receiving the nourishment. I'm not receiving the healing that I need. I'm not praying, staying in the Word, going to church like I should. And then one day... That fruit will fall off, roll away, rot, and die. And I'll still be alive. I'll still have my leaves in place. But I won't have the fruit. 
I won't have the fruit. And Jesus showed us through the whole word. His first thing he said, be fruitful. When he went to look for fruit, he wanted fruit. He didn't want leaves. When he didn't have fruit, he cursed it at the roots. You've heard me preach a few weeks ago about let's this year also, let's trim around the roots and try to get fruit. This year, the Lord, it more I feel is so desperately that God is saying, I want fruit. I want fruit this year. I want fruit of the Spirit. Because people are going to want to come by and receive fruit in your life. And they're going to, and Jesus is going to want to receive fruit in your life. And, and so we've got to work on these things. He says that we prosper and in health as our soul prospers. So he wants the work to be done in our lives. So as you know, we won't turn there. Galatians 5 talks about and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say love. Well, let's go to, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to just give you a few points here about love today. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. So I want to encourage you, as we walk in peace... Like a woman's body gets in a peaceful state, then she is able to conceive and, and then bring forth a child instead of being tense that I'm not right. I, I, I've gone through all the tests. Something's wrong with me. And we're so fast to say something's wrong with me, but it could be that there's something wrong with the presence and the fruit in my life that God wants to work on. And here we see love, and it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. This is the Living Bible. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And verse 8 says, but love will last forever. And a lot of people say that, Love has a happy ending, but the truth is, love has no ending. Amen? The love of God. It says in the Living Bible, love never gives up. Love cares more of others than of itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have, and love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of sins of others. Doesn't revile when others gravel. Takes pleasure in the truth. Puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Everybody say with me, love. love. You know, I heard a story about this, this child, his name was Chad, and he was one of these kids that the other kids didn't like much, and he'd be walking home from school, and his mom would watch him through the window, and he was always lagging behind, and all the other kids had their arms around each other, and they were buddies, and they were talking about going to play ball, and they would never include uh, this kid named Chad and the mom would always look at that child and he'd come home busting in the house with tears many times because nobody wanted to play with him. Nobody wanted to be his friend. And so one day he comes home and he goes, Mama, I want to make Valentine cards for all of my classmates. And she goes, why? He says, I want to. Every one of them. All 37. So they started working for three days making these Valentine cards and preparing them. And he went to school that day and she was 
She bakes some cookies and got some chocolate milk. She says, I just know he's going to come home depressed. He's going to come home crying. So she was at the window like she always was. And as usual, here comes all the kids with their arms around each other and their best of buddies. And there's little Chad far behind and nobody's giving him any attention. He goes, she goes, oh, I knew it wouldn't change. Then all of a sudden he comes busting through the door and he goes, not a one, not a one. And she starts crying. She says, oh, I knew it was a mistake. And he goes in there. He goes, mama, I didn't forget a one. They all got one from me. Now, that's the type of love that looks beyond the type of treatment that so many times we receive and we go through. That's the type of love that Christ wants to fill our hearts and that fruit to be developed. That even when they continue doing us wrong, we don't retaliate and do wrong back to them. That's the type of fruit that God is looking for. One of my heroes is Billy Graham and his wife Ruth who went on to be with the Lord. I got a picture in my office of them because he's an inspiration to me. He has ran this race and has kept a pure reputation for all of these years. Um, I believe he is one of the greatest men of God. And you know, it says that she went home to visit her parents and her mother, uh, Ruth's mother, had got sick and had a stroke and she wasn't able to take care of herself. And she walked in her mother's door And there is her daddy on his knees, a doctor on his knees, and he's putting her mother's stockings on. And she looks and she sees that, and he looks at her and says, You know, the greatest joy in my life is to serve your mother. As he's putting her stockings on because she can't do it anymore. And it made me think of Brother Russell's sister Minnie. You know, sister Minnie had a stroke not long ago. It's been a while now. And you know, for a long time, Brother Russell had to cook, had to clean how to dress her, how to take care of her, and still have, has to do quite a bit. And family wasn't there that much. A number of y'all went and did things for them. But I tell you what, what a gentleman Brother Russell Mitchett is and what a lady Sister Minnie is. Because a lot of times a man would just put, say, she's too much trouble, you know, I'm going to just do something else and I'm just going to worry about myself. But here they are together even after all this. And you know what? She's getting stronger and she's getting better. And I think we ought to give them a hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sis. You see, that's what the world needs to see. I may be showing a video clip because right, this is the week that we're valuing human life. You know what they're wanting to do? There's a 16-year-old boy who wanted to commit suicide, so they helped him commit suicide. There's this lady you know in Florida, they starved her to death because her husband didn't want to take care of her anymore. But how many of you know as long as they have breath, they're still a human being. And we have no right to take lives. But it takes love. And sometimes we say, well, you know, I don't have that type of love. The Bible says the love of God. The love of God, not your love. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit that we're able to love beyond the natural. Just like we were able to get angry. You know, I'm going to share with you a little bit here. You know, the, we sing that song, He Pursues Me With His Love. And what an awesome song, He Pursues Me With His Love. But how many of you know that the love of God pursues me so that I become a pursuer of others? And to pursue others. And whatever I pursue, I become. If I pursue love, I will have, I've loved developed more in my life. Just like if I pursue anger and continue practicing Anger, then I continue sowing or growing fruit of anger instead of fruit of love. For example, you know, when we lived in Argentina, I would get screwdrivers there. 
and I would go to work. And, and, and stuff in third world countries many times are not very well-made stuff. And I would go to turn that screwdriver, and all the plastic would crumble and break in my hands, and I just have the metal rod left or the hammer. You just use the hammer a few times, and it ends up breaking on you. And, and all of a sudden, I'm there. I'm going, Dick Gunt, man, I just wish I had some good craftsmen. Why can't we be in America where if something breaks, I can go to Sears and get a brand-new screwdriver? I tell you, there's nothing like American-made, and there ain't nothing like American-made. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> You know, boy, I tell you, just get so mad. And then uh, we'd work down those gravel roads, and we'd always have a standard car. And all of a sudden, the car would stop. And that means that I'd have to have somebody sit behind the seat and to put it in second, and I'd have to get out and push to try to push crank it. And so I'd be pushing on those gravel rocks, and I'd be pushing as hard as I can backwards and frontwards. And finally, get, I said, now put it in second. And when I tell you to, go ahead and pop it. And I'm pushing that little car so that they could pop the clutch, and then it can get started. And then all of a sudden, okay, pop it. It stops, and I hit my head. <laughs> What'd you do? I don't know. I did what you said. Well, let me ask you this. Did you happen to turn the key on? Oh, you gotta turn the key on. Yeah, you gotta turn the key on, then press the clutch. Oh, okay. And then you can push and push and push. And I learned a very valuable lesson that some of y'all younger ones won't even know what I'm talking about. If the distributor cap is cracked, you can push it all day. We, I, I was having a meeting in Tilcara. And my car shut down on me. And so we started pushing it. And we pushed it from one end of that village to the other. And all the school kids came. And they were, I mean, we must have 25 kids. And we were pushing that car. And then we hooked it up behind an ambulance. And the ambulance tried pulling it. And so we could try to crank. And we cranked, we pushed it and tried to pop that clutch as much as we wanted to. But you know what? Something was wrong with the distributor cap. And so, you know, you can do everything you want to. And it still just wouldn't work. Well, you know what? I had an opportunity. Am I going to let anger get a hold of me? And am I going to let depression get a hold of me? Or am I going to just take this opportunity to rejoice in the Lord? Whatever we pursue, we become. If I want to get, if I just say, you know what, I'll just go ahead and give them a piece of my mind. You know what, I'll just go ahead and get angry. You know what, I'll just go ahead and retaliate. You know what, I'll just do whatever I want to do. Because it's my life, it's my time, and I have a right to. After all, they did it against me, I can do it to them. Well, guess what? There will be no fruit of love. And I've had a vision of Word of Grace. How many of you have ever seen the Fruit of the Loom commercial? You've seen them guys dressed up as fruit? That's going to be our picture. We're going to look. There's apple right here. <laughs> and there's grape right there. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to look like that. I want us to grow so much fruit that we're going to look like that. We're going to even get, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Amy Grant's husband? Vince Gill. Somebody's country in here. Anyway, we're going to get Vince Gill. Come sing a song where everybody dances in their little fruits outfits. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to see the fruit grow in this church. And the Father, the Heavenly Father, wants to see the fruit grow in this church. Amen. You following me here? Amen. First Peter 4, you don't have to look it up. First Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things, have fervent love. Say fervent love. For one another. Well, I mean, oh, it's, it's awesome to love God. But how about fervent love for one another? Because this is what it goes on to say. For love will cover a multitude of sins. I don't know about you. Any of y'all 
sinned lately? Maybe once? You know what it says? If I have fervent love towards my brothers and my sisters, that means if I'm willing to forgive them, He is gladly willing to forgive me. The more I practice the fruit of love, the more my mistakes are forgiven by God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that washes and cleanses us from all sins. But you know what? There's a special mercy for a person of love and mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Amen, church. The message translation says, Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Wow, think about that. Love each other as if your life depended upon it. I mean, there's people who will make jokes of doctors and nurses until they get in the hospital. And they ain't going to be making no more jokes about doctors. Why? Their life depends on it. Well, you know what? If we would learn to love one another as if our life depended upon it. Because you know what? Our life of our fruit depends upon it. The life of our fruit depends upon us loving others. And it goes on to say, love makes up for practically anything. Now, that word fervent, I want you to see that word fervent is a word used in the Olympics. And it's used for a runner. And listen, it means to stretch as long and hard as you can. How many of you know, it's not just the fastest runner that wins the race. It's the one who can stick his chest out the farthest and also run the fastest. How many of you have ever seen a race where somebody just, they say, won by a hair? Because when they got to it, they stretched out as far as they could to get that ribbon. Because the other one's foot might have been closer, but his chest won the race. That's what that word fervent means. It means to be stretched. It means I'm being stretched in this relationship. I'm being stretched by these people. I'm being stressed by my boss. But I'm being stressed. But you know what? I'm going to win the race. If you notice, you know, we've taken a few chairs out. And we're going to put a few more in because I can see it's crowded. But, you know, it's hard uh, for people to start getting used to sitting around so many people close to them. You know, I've heard, you know, I've heard a few comments like, man, I don't like sitting that close to people. You know, you know, it makes me uncomfortable or I don't know them or I'm going to start wearing my wallet in my front pocket. You know, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't want them to see what I'm doing. Who knows? Or look, they'll notice that my Bible's not as much underlined as their Bible is. Have you ever went through that? It makes you want to go home and get all kind of marker lots and just start coloring your Bible. Because, man, look how spiritual them people are. Man, their Bible's full of green and yellow and orange and red, and I ain't got nothing marked. It looks like a, it's a brand new Bible. It's a brand new Bible. Oh, it says 76. Yeah, but it don't matter. I don't believe in marking in my Bible. That's a sin. You ever feel that way? By their love, they will know. Not by you raising the dead will they know. Not by opening the deaf ears will they know. Not by opening the blind eyes will they know. By your love, they will know you're my disciples. By your fervent love. You know, instead of hearing, well, did you hear? Brother and -and so-and-so's getting a divorce. Well, I ain't talking to him. You know what you need to do? Brother, I love you. And I'm praying for you. Oh, yeah, but preacher, don't you know... God hates divorce. I know that. But don't you know God loves that person? 
Well, did you hear this? Did you hear that? All I know is God says to stretch and love everybody, even those who aggravate you and make you feel bad. Stretch. Because whatever you practice, you'll become. And the more I practice love, I'll become more lovingly. The more I practice anger, the more angry. The more I practice jealousy, the more jealousy. The more forgiving, more forgiving. Now, I know you're thinking, this is so basic, but this is a key to the change that we need in our life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, as you know, I'm going to finish with this and go to the next thing that I have to do. As you know, you know... There's, you know, different types of love and eros, of course, as you know, is the romantic, the, the, uh, the, the love between a man and a woman, not a man and a man. When a man says, I love him, no, 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 that's perversion. Eros was made by God between a husband and a wife, not a woman and a woman and a man and a man. That will, there is no love, it's perverted. So eros is for a man and a woman. It's the uh, romantic type of love. Then there's phileo. Phileo is the love between friends and family. Phileo is a type of love. He's family. I got to love him. You know, what can I say? He's the black sheep, but he's still blood. We got to claim him. Until I get on Ancestry.com and find out he's really not blood, then we're really going to give it to him. But he's blood. You got to love him. Or you know what phileo is? You, you, you do for me, I'll do for you. You give me a gift, I'm going to have to give you a gift. And then you can tell somebody, you know what, I'm going to do you a favor, but you don't owe me a favor, but inside you're thinking, yeah, yeah, you're going to owe me that favor, but, but I'm going to give you the favor anyway. That's the phileo love. But agape love, and I know you know this, is the unconditional God kind of love that gives and asks nothing back in return. It just loves just gives. Just loves and it just gives. And how many know this world needs love? I read a, a report that uh, this dad hadn't seen his son. This was in Mexico. This dad hadn't seen his son for years and his son's name was Paco. So he put a thing in the paper and he says, Paco, I know I haven't been here for you and, and I'm your dad and I want to meet you and I want to, I want to invite you back home and I want to mend our, 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 our problems. And he put that in the paper. Meet me in front of the newspaper tomorrow at 9. Love your dad. The next day shows up, 800 Pacos. <laughs> yeah, it ha- it's true. 800 Pacos. Hey, Paquito, vení aquí, che. Where don't this to viste? El Paquito, Pac- 800 Pacos showed up. That's the type of need we have in this world. That's the type of need we have in this world. All of them wanting a daddy. All of them wanting love. And Jesus came to demonstrate that. And, and I'll tell you the story. You know, the, uh, there was in World War One the story about these two soldiers in a foxhole. And they were fighting in the, in the war and they were told to charge and they got out and Jim's friend got shot fatally. And he jumped back in the trench and he was going back after his friend and the commander grabbed him and says, no, Jim, you can't go. He's probably already gone. You'll, you'll die too if you try to save him. And he said, okay, that's all right, Sergeant. When the Sergeant turned around, he jumped out of the trench, ran and grabbed Jim and he came back in the hole fatally wounded and he was holding Jim. He was holding his friend and his friend was dead. 
And the sergeant said, now look at you, Jim. You're dying too. I didn't want to lose another good man. And he was already, he's already dead. Why did you do that? He said, you didn't hear what I heard. When I grabbed him, he said, Jim, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. It's the type of love that lays his life down for a friend and asks nothing in return. Amen. Brother Bob and Sister Kay, would you come, please? Brother Bob and Sister Kay has worked with our singles for quite a while in other parts of ministry. They've been talking to them. They came at me. They wanted to get married, want to know when. And I said, you know what? I'm preaching on the fruit of love Sunday morning. How about we just do a short ceremony? This is all their family. Brother Bob and Sister Kate are so special. These people have fruit. And they shine and they're precious. And I found something just, just I felt that was just right for you too. And I feel it's right to the point. So I want you to take her hand and look at her in the eyes. And I want you to repeat after me. Repeat it to each other. I love you. Not only for what you are. But what I am when I am with you, I love you. Not only for what you have made of yourself, but what you are making of me. I love you for the part of me that you bring out. I love you. Brother Bob, would you take this ring and place it upon her finger and repeat after me. My Kay, with this ring, I pledge my life and love to you in the name of Jesus. Would you take this ring and place it upon his finger? Look at Bob and repeat after me. Bob, with this ring, I pledge my life and my love to you in the name of Jesus. Bob and Kay, you have made a covenant before these witnesses and a covenant of your undying, unending love before our Heavenly Father, His Son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit which fills you, empowers you, and completes you. Bob, you may now kiss your wife. Now, y'all just wait. Y'all just wait. Did you like those guys? you turn and place the congregation? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I present to you Bob 
and Kay Whittington. No, 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 Y'all still love me? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I know. I know. I'm <laughs> Bob and Kay Weeders. <laughs> I just stay here. This is Kay's song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of you were surprised? I've never done that before, but I called them up and I said, would y'all mind if we just shock the congregation and marry you on the day that I speak on love? So anyway, now don't you be asking to get married on a Sunday morning. Because I may be preaching on hell. 